Hey, my name is Brady, and I am the pastor of this church, honored to be a part of this, this work that God's doing in our community. And I, well, I just want to tell you, it's been a hard week. It's been a hard week for a lot of different reasons. And so would you just pray with me before we just get started? Man, for one, uh, Casey's song, that last song, man, that was just anointed in Jesus' name. It's the name that is above all names, and we need to call on his name right now. Because there is a lot of hurt going on in our community. Sickness, and injury, and marriages. And, and uh, be careful what you're going to preach about, because then you have to live it out in the weeks to come, <laughs> in the weeks to follow. It's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a crazy week, so let's pray. So Lord, we praise you. For the name of Jesus, we thank you that uh, Jesus was willing to enter in to, to our lives, to this place, to put on flesh and dwell among us, to experience the hurt and the pain and the sadness and the sickness that we experience here on this planet. And we are called as his followers to do the same. And... It's not easy. It's not something we would always choose for ourselves, but in the midst of that pain, there's, there's growth, there's uh, experiences, different experiences at different levels of you, Lord, in the midst of all of it. And God, right now we lift up those who are sick right now, maybe right here in our midst, those that are laying in a hospital bed, trying to recover even right now, Lord, uh, a daughter sits with her mother waiting for you to call her home. And so we just pray your presence to be felt right where they're at. Pray for marriages that are struggling, some that are here, some that are not here for whatever reason. And we, as much as we possibly can, are, are committed to to helping them walk through this, this journey, this process that they're in. And we pray for restoration. We pray for reconciliation. We pray for you to be worshipped in the homes of the hurting. And so we thank you for this opportunity to lift them up to you. We bear their burden today, together as a church. We praise you and thank you in that name of Jesus. Amen. I want to prepare you for what's going to happen at the end of the service. We have, we're going to take the Lord's Supper today, and we're going to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. We do that every, every time we gather together, obviously, but we do it in the remembrance of, of Jesus by taking the bread and the juice, and we'll do that at the end. Plus, that's an opportunity for you to give uh, your offering. There'll be a basket you can place it in. I just think it's a kind of a cool idea of just, here we are to give, then we receive. And we'll do that towards the end of the service, and we'll walk you through that process. So just be prepared for that. So we're on the last of three sermons about relationships. We touched with relationships at home, in our family, and then we got into relationships with those that we work with and go to school with. And today, we're going to finish up with our relationships with people we attend church with and people that are in our community, church and community. So if you know me at all, you would know that relationships are important to me. That's one of the reasons I love doing what I do. I love being a pastor. I love getting a chance to be in relationship with people. 
connecting with others, learning their story, getting a chance to share my story with them. And over and over again, this statement of it's um, not what you know, but who you know has proven true in my life, for sure. Because I don't really know that much. I don't. I only know just a few things. But I do know a lot of people. And because of that, I feel like I have the support system around me to, to, to do what this video showed you that we did, to make this church come alive because of the people that are in my life. It's not because I had some great knowledge or some great plan, strategic to, strategy to make it happen. Instead, it was God bringing people into my life to make it happen. And that leads us into this third relationship, and those are the people that we're connected through right here. Connected, we're, we're connected to them right at this particular moment because we attend church, or maybe it's people within our community that we're connected to because we see them maybe just on a Sunday or see, we see them throughout the week. We run into them at the YMCA. Maybe we see them at Starbucks. Maybe we go to the grocery store. We go to um, post office, whatever it is. When, when we were, when my kids were younger, they would have this, we'd play this game, and they would have this contest when we'd go to Walmart. The contest was, how many people does dad know at Walmart? And so then they'd all make their guess. I say five, I say six. I say dad's going to run into seven people that he knows. And so we get back out into the car. It's like, okay, dad, how many people did you see that you knew? And so then we'd go through. I said, well, I saw about ten that I knew. I interacted with six, so I don't know how you want to average that out. But that would always be this game that we'd play. Or we'd go somewhere and they're like, oh man, we're going to be here forever because dad's going to run into somebody that he knows and he's going to get into a conversation with him and we're not going to be able to leave until he's done. But that's just how I'm wired. I don't know how to be any other way. We have common interests with people that we run into. We maybe frequent the same places. We meet them at a wedding or a funeral. Or because our children played on the same sports team. Some of you younger families, that's where you're at right now. Your kids play on a sports team. You're going to interact with other people. And so hopefully you don't interact with people that are those people. You know, the ones at the sporting event that are just crazy parents that are yelling and screaming all the time, cheering or maybe yelling at the referee. Don't be that person. I've been that person. It's not pretty. All right. Don't be that person. And if you see other people like that, stay away from them as much as you can. No, pray for them. Maybe you want to encourage them. Pull them aside and say, hey, man, your kids just want to know you love watching them play. That's it. All right? Don't try to coach them through the whole game. I was there. I know how that goes. One of the reasons I love living in a smaller community because you kind of get that cheers effect, right? If you know those old show cheers from years ago where people... They know your name, and they're glad you came, all right? They just see you, and you say, oh, hey, what's up, man? You have those interactions with people. I love that about a smaller community. I know some of the introverted people in the room don't like that as much, but that's not me. I, I think it's a challenge to me to get a chance to, to encourage and be involved in their story. Some of the encounters are casual and on the surface. Others are very deep and meaningful. Some of them are God-ordained relationships. Some of those relationships have challenged me. Some of those relationships have changed me. And I always believe that God causes our paths to cross with others for a purpose. Because, think about it this way, as a follower of Jesus, I believe these encounters give me the opportunity to be the incarnation of Jesus. I get to be the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Jesus on earth. I get to come back down in his 
by His presence through the Holy Spirit and be Jesus. Now, I know that sounds super mystical and spiritual or whatever, but it is reality. I get to touch people with the love of Jesus. That's one of the things I love about what I get to do. And sometimes it's received well, sometimes it's pushed back. You just never know how it's going to go. But I know Jesus gets it. He understands because He was there too. He was in the flesh. He walked on the earth. He experienced the beauty of humanity and the ugliness of humanity. So we as the church, we're made up of many different parts, just like the human body. Many different parts. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you get a real deep insight into the, to the body of Christ and how it's all made up of different parts and how some parts are used for some purposes, some for others. But it's the body of Christ gets to be Jesus in all these different places that we have relationships. So I began writing this sermon or talking about, thinking about this message on Monday morning when I was just kind of overwhelmed with everything that had gone on in the last 24 hours. For one, my, um, my wife's dad, 93 years old, got up to answer the door in his apartment, fell and broke his hip. And at 93 years old, that's a serious injury. And so he ends up in the hospital on Sunday afternoon, and we, uh, that, that changes our life immediately, just like that. Things are going to be different now. And, and so we began to put plans in motion. How do we go to minister to him? How do we figure out what's going on? And the relationships in my life start to, to overwhelm me in a good way. We start experiencing immediately support from uh, friends here at the church. And, and you know what? I'll just be honest. I expected it. Because we rely on it. We need each other. And, and I, I want to I be, I be the, uh, the kind of pastor that models it first because then other people can say, well, you know what, that's how Brady loves. We need to love that way too because that's how Jesus loves. And I don't do it perfectly, but I, I try to do it on purpose though. And so people begin already to, to move in and to give support. And it starts out um, on different levels. I want to share with you a little bit levels of support and encouragement and maybe levels of relationships, okay? With the idea of the chicken and the pig, okay? You've heard this before, maybe, maybe you haven't. But when it comes to breakfast, the chicken is, is there and involved and he's pretty committed, but not fully, but the pig, on the other hand, when it comes to breakfast, he's all in. Think about it. What does the chicken give to breakfast? He gives a part of himself, right? Or she does. He gives an egg. And we appreciate that. We appreciate the support that comes from the chicken. But the pig, when it comes to the bacon and the sausage, he's all in. There's no turning back. Like, it's all or nothing for the pig, Right? So let's think about this. Let's think about, so immediately we start receiving support on Facebook. We post it on Facebook. Facebook can be a good tool to, to, to let people know what's going on. Immediately we start getting the first level of, of commitment. And what is that? It is the like. I click like. Okay, I know people don't like the fact that my father-in-law broke his hip and he's in the hospital. I think they like the fact that they now know about it and we can give some encouragement we can start to pray. And so we know that they're, we kind of get this like broad uh, stroke of knowing people are out there supporting us. 
Then you can go a little bit deeper and you can leave a comment. That's a little bit more of, a, of, a, of an investment, but not as much, not too much, you know, but it's still a little bit more, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, we're here if you need us. What, let us know if you need something. We'll, we'll be there for you, whatever. Now, when it comes to this kind of a situation, you can get a little bit deeper into it and you can say, not only will I leave a comment, but I'll actually sit down and write a card. I'll send it to the hospital. Maybe I'll send flowers. Maybe I'll send it to home. And that way you get a, a word of encouragement. Let me just tell you, that's a lost art in the world we live in. Just taking that extra time, sending it out. Then you go a little bit deeper into this, this relationship or in this support when you visit the hospital. I have been the familiar face many a times in the hospital room or wherever it is, but there's such a blessing when you're on the other end of that familiar face. When you're the one sitting there in the waiting room and some friendly faces or familiar faces walk in and, and you know, they don't even... They don't really even have to do anything other than just be there. And that's enough. And we come and we sit and we talk and it takes your mind off of for a while. Hey, what, is there anything outside of what's going on here that we can take care of? Can we go pick somebody up? Can we go take care of um, a meal for you or whatever it is? So it's transfer. You're going from the chicken now into the... It's starting to get a little bit deep now. It's starting to get a little bit more of a commitment involved because now you're, you're actually being present, which is what we're built on. The church is built on presence. Think about it. The presence of the Lord was there when the church was birthed. And we have the opportunity in those moments to be the presence of Jesus in that place. And we get a chance to be that support system because we are His people. And then maybe you provide a meal, you visit their home later on, and you come and you sit with someone, or you become someone that gives some continuous care over a long period of time. The relationship gets a little bit deeper. I mean, it starts out with a like button, right? Click, I like it. And it's kind of like that acknowledgement when you see someone, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, good, see you later. Boom, like. But if you really enter into someone's story, it starts to get a little bit messier than that. And the level of commitment gets a little bit stronger. So on Monday morning, my wife was at the hospital with her dad. And I stayed home for the, for the first part of the day just to take care of her little babysitting kids. Because we thought maybe he was going to have surgery the next day. And so I thought, well, I'll just take care of kids on Monday. That's not quite like being the pig, but it's pretty darn close. Because I love kids, but I'm not good for a long period of time, all right? I get a little distracted, a little ADHD going on. So I'm loving on them. I'm doing my thing. And while I'm there, this show, this TV program comes on, a little kids program, and I've never seen it before. And I'm half watching it, half kind of paying attention to the kids, which that's not bad. I mean, don't think I wasn't paying attention to the kids. I was keeping an eye on them. I was, it's like, man, don't take him. He half pays attention to the kids. But I was listening to this program. This program is called Sophia the First. Anybody familiar with Sophia the First? Okay? If you're not, Google it, all right? If you don't know what Google is, ask somebody. You don't know what the like button is if you don't know what Google is, by the way. So Sophia, this is interesting. I'm going to tie this in. She's a little girl who once lived in a village until her mother married the king. And then she quickly realizes that looking like a princess isn't all that hard. But acting like a princess is a little bit more difficult. Okay? Think about that thought. 
as I was watching this, I, I started to get this, uh, this kind of this revelation of some stuff going on um, that I could apply to this, this message. I started to get a little bit weepy. I was like crying in this little kids program and I was watching it. And I was thinking about all the people that are supporting us and encouraging to come alongside and supporting my wife and her dad. And, and the first episode, because they're quick, episodes, they're 30 minutes, you know, they're, they're in and out. And the first episode was, was all about demonstrating forgiveness to someone who really didn't deserve forgiveness. So Sophia was the princess and she has an interaction with a, with a little girl in the, in the kingdom, her name is Lucinda, and Lucinda is a witch. And Lucinda is going around hexing all of her friends and causing all kinds of chaos. And Sophia, with this heart of forgiveness, takes a risk. And she enters into Lucinda's story a little bit deeper than anybody else is willing to because they're afraid of her. And so Sophia approaches Lucinda and says, hey, hey, what's really going on here? And the truth is, is Lucinda does all these things because she doesn't have any friends. Well, she doesn't have any friends because she's doing all these things. And she's hurting people around her. And Sophia is she's like, you need, you need some friends, don't you? And at first Lucinda's like, no, I don't need anybody. See, we tend to think that way sometimes. Like, no, I don't need anyone. I'll just do it all on my own. I don't need any help. It's not true. It's not true at all. We need each other. And so Sophia gives this forgiveness and it starts to transform Lucinda but then it's it's one thing for her to forgive but it's another thing for Sophia to then turn around and convince all of her friends to forgive because her friends have all kinds of reasons not to forgive Lucinda proof that she has hurt her ladies and gentlemen we're in a church full of people and people hurt other people and we can have all kinds of reasons why not to forgive why we can lord it over someone else and point fingers and say, well, this is the reason why I'm not going to forgive you because you hurt me. And Sophia models forgiveness, teaches her friends how to forgive. And you know what it does? It transforms Lucinda to the point where she goes around and fixes all the messes that she's made. It's pretty powerful. The next episode, I wasn't done. I was hooked at that point. I'm Sophia, first junkie. You know, I'm like, all right, what's next? Next episode is is uh, based on a character named Slickwell. So think about this thought, Slickwell. He's a sketchy character all the, right around, right at the beginning. And Slickwell is really jealous of this guy named Bailiwick. And he wants Bailiwick's job. Bailiwick is in a, is in a, 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 uh, in a this, this position of power and authority in the kingdom. He is the, take, he's the caretaker of the king and, his, and the queen in the castle. And, and Slickwell's jealous, so he wants his job. So he sabotages Bailiwick by giving him a, which by the way, the name Bailiwick means power, authority, or, or a domain, a position of power. And so in this particular story, Slickwell gives Bailiwick a pendant to wear as a gift, but it's a double-headed snake. And it's not a gift at all. It's a, it is a curse. And it causes Bailiwick to stumble and to fall so much that he fails time after time after time to the point where he just wants to quit. How many times have you tried church? You've tried living for the Lord. You've tried so hard to serve and you've just failed and you've failed and you've failed. 
to the point where you just want to give up, quit. It's not worth it. I'm not even going to go back. Forget it. I'm just going to stay home. I can get this kind of treatment somewhere else. You know, I'm just going to, just going to stay home. Well, Sophia, she enters into the picture by trying to help Bailiwick. She's a support and encouragement. You can do this, baby. Don't give up. We need someone like that in our life. You need someone like that to encourage you and cheer you on. Say, come on, it's okay. You know what? You, you just stay right there. Let me do it for you. Let me help you. Let me come along and bear this burden with you. Sophia discovers the, the little slick trick that Slickwell's got going on here. She, dis- she kind of exposes him, and, and everything is fixed, and everything is solved. At the same time that's going on, there's two different characters that are like sorcerers or, or they're um, like jesters in the kingdom, and they're trying to compete with one another to, to um, entertain the kids of the kingdom. And they're, they're doing stuff like, well, yeah, well, watch me. I'll do this. Boom. You know, no, no, I can do that better. Boom. You know what I was thinking about? Sometimes there's competition in church in our relationships. We try hard to outdo the other person, to serve a little bit better, or to please the pastor a little bit more, or whatever, and it's not a competition. We don't have to do anything to get God to love us. Did you know that? But these two guys discovered when they got themselves in a mess that they were more powerful together than they were on their own. And so they combined their efforts to save the day. And this is like a side story that's going on. It was a powerful Powerful picture. So here's a few things that I learned from this uh, simple but profound little children's program. By the way, while I'm getting ready to share this with you, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12 because that's, that's where we're going to finish our time together. Romans chapter 12. Looking like a follower of Jesus is easier than acting like one. Did you hear me? Looking like a Christian is easier than actually being one. There is power in forgiveness. It transforms you and the other person that needs to be forgiven, or maybe you're the one that needs to be forgiven. It gives other people freedom around you to do the same thing. When you start modeling it, other people see, hey, that must be the right way to live because look, it's actually having an an effect on the people around them. If you've made a mess of things, you need to be the one to fix them. Own your part in the mess. Own your part. Say, you know what? That's on me. It's my bad. I own that. You didn't cause that. I caused that. What can I do to make this better? At first, people, well first, I'm sorry, it might start out as simple as an apology and then go from there, but it's going to take time. So it might start out something as easy as a like button, but it could be the fact that you need to dig a little bit deeper into it, and it's going to take some time to fix it. At first, people might not believe that you're sincere, but actions speak louder than words. Show them that you're for real. Don't just say it. Live it out and prove it to him. The enemy is always trying. Isn't it crazy? Slick well? That's the devil. I'm sorry, but the devil, he's pretty slick, and he's always trying to cause us to stumble and fall. He is the king of discouragement. He wants you to quit. He wants you to stop. Don't go back. Don't let people know who you really are in church, because as soon as they do, they're going to stop loving you. I promise, man. Don't do it. It's not true. I promise you, I will love you even more 
I would hope you do the same for me. If you know that I'm not perfect, that's not time to stop loving me. That's time to love me even more. Step in. Step into the mess and say, what can we do to help? He always wants you to give up. Slickwell always wants you to give up so he can have the rightful place and authority in your life. But that's not his job. Jesus is the bailiwick. Jesus is the one who has authority and wants authority in our life. We are to spur one another on to love and good works. That's our job. We are to encourage and cheer, cheer one another and bear each other's burdens. We are the body of Christ. And just like those two guys trying to compete with each other and realize they are better together, we are better together. And we can accomplish impossible tasks if we work together. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, all this week, we, incur- we encountered some impossible tasks. Hard things. Difficult things. And so we need to be encouraged. We need God's Word. So Romans chapter 12. I first started thinking about this, this message. The first thought that came to my mind was, was love, obviously. And our love must be sincere. It must not be fake. It must be real. So here's what it says. I want to start. Uh, I just, actually, I just want to start a little bit before 12, and I want to read this to you as a prayer. So just close your eyes for a moment, if you will. Oh, the depth, the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And so Paul says to, the, to the, his audience in this particular book, of the book of Romans, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I urge you to be the pig. Give yourself fully everything that you've got. Lay it before the Lord, which is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's true and proper, appropriate compared to what Jesus has already given to us. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by grace given me, Paul says, I say to every one of you, okay, listen, this is, this is an application of God's Word right here. Listen to this. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. As the body of Christ, we belong to each other. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, 
do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then here's this, this verse. Love must be sincere. Oh, well, they say they love me, but they really don't know me. But if they knew me, they wouldn't love me. But our love for each other must be real. We are to hate what is evil, cling to what is good. We are to be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Open up your home. Open up your heart. And welcome people in. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And that's hard for us as humans, isn't it? It's hard for us to wait on the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, which is a blessing in that culture. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The, those that are going to serve this morning for the communion, once you come on forward. We're going to celebrate this morning Jesus who was willing in word and in deed to sacrifice everything on our behalf. So here's the way it's going to work. And the music begins. And when you're ready, listen, this is, this is one of these opportunities to to maybe really ask yourself a question. How committed am I really to the Lord? Am I a chicken? <laughs> you know, I make a slight contribution. Or am I willing to be like a pig? <laughs> All in. I mean, if you're here this morning and you've never confessed Christ as your Savior, you know, you know when you should do that? Right now. <laughs> Now's a great opportunity to say, I want to I be forgiven for my sin. I want to forgive others who have hurt me. And listen, you cannot do that without Jesus. It's not possible. So maybe that's the time. Now's the time. So close your eyes and just prepare yourself to get ready to go. When, you, when you're ready, we're going to We'll uh, stand up and we'll have the first rows go. And you're going to come to the right, to your right. You're going to follow through. There's two different lines. So just pick the line that has the least amount of people in it. 
grab a piece of bread, grab a thing of juice, and then go back to your seat, and then we'll share the meal together. Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2, some of my favorite, favorite truth in all of Scripture because I love the fact that Jesus had already given Himself as a sacrifice. And it says in view of His mercy, like as we look back to the cross, we see what Jesus has already done for us. It's only fitting, right? It's only fitting that we were we would love back that way. We would love with that kind of sacrifice. Being willing to, to enter in to the mess. It's just a mess of humanity to each other's lives and be there to encourage one another. That is the church. So when we celebrate this, we think about what Jesus has already done. He says, do this in remembrance of me when you take this. When you take this bread, it represents his body broken for you and me. So take and eat. And Scripture records that while they were gathered there together, he took a cup, ordinary wine, transforms it into this powerful symbol of a covenant. Jesus says this blood, is, is, this juice is my blood, and I pour it out for you for the forgiveness of sin. So we do this in remembrance of him. So take and drink. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus because that is the name that we remember, we celebrate, and we share this meal together. We remember, Jesus, what it is that you've done for us. Would you empower us? Would you encourage us to love the way that you love? Whatever that looks like in our lives. Whatever that looks like with the people in our community, the ones that we are standing next to right now, the ones that we will encounter um, when we leave this place, may they know that we belong to you by our love for each other. We praise you. We thank you for the gifts that have been given in this offering. Sow it into this community, Lord. We'll sow it into your kingdom so that others can know the love of Jesus the way we know it. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, bless you. Get to know somebody around you. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week.